This is episode number 12 with Shira Girl. Welcome to the I Love Music podcast. My name is Jen Fedor. I started the I Love Music podcast to inspire people who love music, encourage people who work within the industry, and to hear each person's unique story. For this episode, I got to interview my friend Shira Girl. A musician and founder of the Shira Girl stage, she has paved the way and given many female-fronted bands a way to break into a very male-dominated industry. She has supported Rancid, NoFX, Juliette Lewis, and Joan Jett. Shira has guts, and that's what it takes to be in music. I love our conversation on how she broke into the boys club and made punk rock history. Take a listen. Um, so tell me a little bit about your background and how you got interested in music. Um, well, I've been, since I was three years old, I've been a performer, a dancer, doing musical theater. So I kind of started out doing ballet and tap and jazz. I always just loved performing and being on stage. And, um, and then in camp, we do like the musicals. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So growing up, I was really serious about dance and I was in a dance company all throughout high school and I competed and um, I love tap and all kinds of, you know, different styles. So that's kind of, yeah, I got into to music really by way of like theater and dance. So, um, um, Were there any uh, of the theater productions that you were a part of that just like stand out yeah. to you? <laughs> there was a bunch of great ones, but um, well, there was a couple. Um, I was, I played um, General Tom Thumb and P.T. Barnum. In Bar- it was called oh, in yeah. Barnum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is funny because Ringling is now about to close. So I don't know if you heard that. Oh yeah, I yeah. saw that yeah. announcement today. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. But so Barnum, so there's a scene. I have this. Um, I had this sort of solo where I'm supposed to play a really small person. So they wheel out like this giant armchair, kind of like <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. And I yeah. did this whole like tap dance solo about you know how big things come in small packages or whatever. Okay. So that's a memorable one that comes to mind. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so awesome. Um, what were some of your influences with music growing up? Yeah. Um, so growing up, I mean, I, when I was like really young, I got introduced to some cool music because I had an older brother. So that always helps. Oh, awesome. So I was like the one in seventh grade, like listening to like Appetite for Destruction uh-huh. and, you know, it's definitely Guns N' Roses. Uh, like hair metal, like Poison, Ar- yeah, Aerosmith, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, open up and say, ah, that was my shit. Um, no, but then kind of getting into like hip hop a little bit through my okay. brother, like he, you know, he would play me like De La Soul and like things I never would have been, you know, um, exposed to otherwise. Um, and then and then growing up, yeah, definitely got more into into hip hop. Um, and a lot of female artists too, like I love like Salt and Peppa and, yeah. you know, just any like strong female artists. Um, and then kind of later on, I got into more like punk rock music and Riot Girl music, Bikini Kill. Yeah. And, um, you know, eventually like La Tigra and, you know, being sort of part of that Brooklyn kind of Riot Girl scene, you know, throughout college, that was that was definitely like something that led me kind of down the punk rock road. So, yeah. So, but, yeah. so, you, grew up, so you grew up on the East Coast then? I did. I, I was a Jersey girl. Okay. <laughs> and then nice. um, and, and then my brother went to NYU. So basically from then on, I spent as much time as possible in New York City and Brooklyn. <laughs> so um, During that time, did you play small shows? Or yeah. like how did you, did you have any mentors or people you really looked up to? And Yeah, definitely. So... Um, when I was a sophomore, the summer bef- between sophomore junior year in college, I lived in Brooklyn and I choreographed for this show. Um, and it was, 
yeah, just like it was a feminist play and it was a lot of riot girls kind of in the scene and um, and so we did a, a, a fundraiser at Meow Mix, which is like a legendary lesbian bar that no longer exists, like yeah. most legendary bars in New York City. And, um, and it was a She Rose party. And so I sang with the band. That was like the first time I sang with the band. And I sang, I dressed up as She Rose Princess of Power. And nice. I sang like I Love Rock and Roll and okay. Rebel Girl and like all, you know, yeah. all the, the Riot Girl anthems. Um, and that was kind of like the point where I sort of made the transition um, to, to, yeah, to being a singer, so to speak. And then I studied abroad in London. And then after that, I, I met a producer while I was over there. And that's when I first recorded like my first original stuff. So, yeah, so my producer, Big John, who now <laughs> is Johnny London of London School of Guitars in Salt Lake City, Utah. So cool. he was a big influence. He was kind of like the first producer, yeah, that I, I hooked up with. And, you know, that first person can make right. a lot of, I think, impact because that's when you decide, yeah, this is awesome. I want to keep doing yeah. this. Or oh, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe it's not for me, you know? What, what type of music was it back then? Because, like, now you're, like, more electro-pop yeah. or pop. It actually started, it was more electro-pop. I kind of okay. called it electro-punk. It was very okay. raw. And yeah. if you listen to my very first album, it's out there, unfortunately. <laughs> I did put it out yeah. there on Spotify iTunes. And it's, it's like, you know, like, Bikinica, like, it was a big kind of influence on me, that sort of punk rock aesthetic to not make it too polished. And so right. even though... It you know had pop sounds. It was kind of all over the place. Some some of the songs were more pop punk. Okay. Some of the songs were more electro. So yeah, I always kind of like dabbled in different sounds. Then I got more into the punk side for my next record, Scream, Spit, Sing, mm -hmm. and then now I'm kind of yeah more on the electronic side. So I like to skip around. <laughs> um, uh, so on I I met you on Warp Tour. Yes. And I was your tour manager filling in for a friend. Uh huh. <laughs> How did you get connected to the Warp Tour scene? Yeah, so it's a great story. So I actually, I worked for the Truth Campaign in 2003, and I okay. went out on the Warp Tour as an MC, um, and, you know, peer-to-peer -peer marketer, talking to the kids about smoking, and, um, and they used to let us play, like, songs, you know, kind of perform at the booth. We could do yeah. whatever, and I had some songs, so... It was just a fun way to kind of bring people over to the truck, you know? Yeah. And um, I met Kevin Lyman that summer, and at the time, there was really no female bands on the tour. It was crazy. Wow. And I kind of approached him about it, and I was like, you know, also me coming from New York, like, I was friends with a lot of all-female hardcore bands, and I was right. like, why isn't this out there? Like, because they were so good. And they did exist. People think that they don't exist. And it's not that girl bands didn't exist, but for whatever reason, they weren't getting that national shine, you know? Right, yeah. So... Um, yeah, they weren't getting a push for a lot of different reasons, but yeah, Kevin, you know, was very defensive and he was like, oh, you know, I tried to bring girls up. I have the Donnas. He's like, everyone gets too big for their britches and they don't want to play for me anymore. And I was, I was like, still, like, really? There's not any. There was, I think, Tsunami Bomb was like yeah. the one. Yeah. And I don't even think they were on the whole tour that year. Right. You know, and it was great. A female, yeah. female fronted band, but there's still no, like, female musicians, really. Yeah. So the very next year was the 10th year, um, 10th anniversary of Warped, and there was something called the girls garage and we approached Kevin about creating like an all girl stage in the girls garage. Yeah. It was just a tent and he said he loved the idea. Um, he actually took us on the girls garage tour. There was a tour oh, and really? he invited oh, really? me to perform. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this was before that. And he's like, he loves the idea. Um, and I said, we, we would kind of like, you know, he, he was basically like, he was all for it if we could make it happen, but then he said, you know what, let's do it like next year because this is the 10th anniversary, we got a lot going on, it's kind of last minute, yeah. you know? And so we were like, okay, and then we just decided to crash the tour anyway. <laughs> 
So, we, so you crashed it? Yeah, we like, crashed what, it. What, what did you do to... So we had this like pink RV that okay. we had like painted pink. And, you know, we kind of knew some people from the tour. And it was me and my DJ, uh, DJ Lava at the time. And we rolled in and uh, just kind of acted like we were supposed to be there. And we sat up next to the truth truck, which was like our homies, <laughs> crashed from the skate ramp. And pretty much waited to get kicked out. We had like the well, dinkiest little setup, yeah. like two little speakers. And, you know, it was so punk rock though. And then yeah, Kevin he he walked by. Yeah, and and he looked well he came out and he looked at us and we're just like, oh okay, we're about to get kicked out and he goes, Shira, he's like, All right, you gonna be on the whole tour? Like he kinda challenged me. He he liked the little setup. He you know, Kevin used to follow the Grateful Dead in a sandwich truck. You know, so he liked the punk rock spirit of it all and his, his whole thing was basically, look, if you guys are going to show up and, you know, make it happen, then I'll let it happen. So Kevin's so cool like that, you know, like yeah. he always roots for the underdog. Yeah. So, yeah. And then honestly, the doors open and all the girls came running, you know, both guys and girls were into it. But just the fact that we were really kind of the first girly thing there at the time. That's, so, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. So anyways, after that, we ended up doing like a real stage the next okay. year and this time we're gonna you know come back and book it in advance and make it bigger and better I think that year that we had crashed it we um, we when we rolled into New York City I said oh, I have some friends some friends bands can I invite them to play at the New York date we got a sponsor you know yeah, for the sound yeah. system and so he, that went off it was at Randall's Island it was terrible you couldn't breathe it was like a dustbin oh my god yeah and then um and then we said, all right, we're going to do this for real next year. And so they helped us try to find sponsors, and they were very supportive. And, um, yeah, so that year was crazy. We had Paramore play the stage. It was their very first tour. Oh, my gosh. We had over 250 female-fronted bands that, that summer of 2005. And, um, and Atlantic Records kind of came to me, like, just a few weeks before the tour, and they said, we have this band. We really want to put, you know, Kevin said to talk to you. Like, yeah. we really want to put them on. It's too late to get them on the stage. And they flew me down to Orlando to see the band. Whoa. And uh, Haley was like 15. And wow. yeah, so they flew me down to see the band. And because I was pretty much like, I want to see the band. They sent me the, a demo and they told me that it was going to be Female Thursday. So I thought it was going to be like a screamo thing. And that's what we were looking for was like, we want our whole thing was to prove that we could be as tough as the guys, you know? And, right. And it didn't have to be all pop, it could be, you know, screamo or whatever. And, um, yeah, they sent me the demo. kind of sounded like Avril Lavigne, like yeah. the demo that they sent me. And I was just like, I was like, okay, it's obviously good and polished, but I wasn't sure it was going to be, like, a right fit for what we were doing. So they flew me down, and they were amazing live, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. remember, like, I met Haley's mom, who looked so young, you know, and she was just, like, filming the band. She was really cool. But, yeah, once I saw them live, I got it, you know. Like, they had right. some great energy, and they killed it, and the, and the crowd was so into it. I think it was in Back Booth in, in Orlando. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so, that, but anyway, Haley had a lot of handlers already at that time. It was before they even, like, yeah. you know, they had a lot, she had a lot of managers. It was before she, they released the first album, but she, I wanted to, like, talk to her and connect her on a girl level, and they kind of, like, swept her into the band, and I think that they were really religious, and um, there was definitely, like, some kind of concern that we were going to be a bad influence, which... We were. <laughs> I can't say that we were. We probably yeah. were. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was pretty cool, you know, getting them. They had they got amazing crowds, you know, the best crowds the whole yeah. summer because they had Fuel by Ramen behind them. And they promoted them, and so yeah, it was rad having them be part of the first the first one. So did you did you get to become friends with her throughout that summer then by um, having her on Haley with Haley? Yeah. Um, not really. She was super nice, yeah, sweetheart. But she was her dad was the tour manager and. Okay. 
So yeah. she was really kind of kept aside, and they didn't even stay overnight. Like they would play and do their signing, and then like leave. You okay, know, gotcha. Yeah. So they were so young, but yeah. um, but she was always cool to me after that. Like they were on the next year on the tour, and cool. She was always like hi, Sheer, and like you know, never got too big for her britches, at least not to me. So yeah. Oh, that's so great. Who else have you gotten to work with on the Shira Girls stage? Well, so the next year in 2006, um, it was really awesome because Joan Jett was actually on the tour. She was, uh, okay. you know, a headliner and. It was so dope because even though she was on main stage, she would come over at our little rinky-dink-pink stage to, like, watch girl bands every day almost. It was dope. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. She was very, very supportive. Um, and, you know, she, you know, Blackheart <clears throat> was, you know, leading, going into the tour, trying to partner with us. They actually gave us an unreleased song. We had a Sheer Girl Stage compilation CD. And they gave us an unreleased song, which was dope. It had, like, Kathleen Hanna doing backing vocals on it. And, um... And they had, and Eyeliners also had some music out on Blackheart, so they gave a couple songs. And then um, throughout, and then I also, I opened up for Joan on some on some shows. And also, like, her crew just kind of took us under their wing. They were super cool, you yeah. know? Like, we'd be smoking joints in their bus, and they'd yeah. like, do you guys need anything? Um, but one day, like, halfway through the tour, it was kind of a really stressful day for me because half my band quit. And Whoa. yeah, it was like we the tour started I think on the East Coast, and when when we got halfway through the tour to the West Coast, LA where these girls were from, they just like pieced out, wow. and it, it was messed up. Some of them took some of our sponsored gear, like it was sketchy. Wow. And um, yeah, I was really bummed because you know obviously like I put all this work into hosting all these bands and, and doing the stage, but you know I wanted to be able to play my own music, you know. Right. Um, and. That, that's kind of like, you know, a big part of the payoff, you know, as a performer. And uh, and so Joan came around to my RV, and she knocks on my door, and I open it up, and she's like, can we talk? Can I come in? I'm like, yes. And we sat on the couch, and um, she just, like, looked me in the eye, and she was like, you have to keep going. She's like, girls like that make girls like us look bad. And she's like, you're doing an awesome thing. You have to keep going. I know. And oh, my I was, gosh. I know. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Don't just tell me I have to keep going. So I have to keep going. You right. Know? Like, yeah. It was really, really dope. And um, one of the drummers from the other bands, like, filled in. And then I got another friend to come out on tour and, and play for the rest of the tour. So it worked out. That's but, good. yeah, it was intense. Yeah. Like, people kind of banded together. I think we missed, like, one or two dates, you know, to learn right. the material. And, um yeah, it was cool. So the very last day that, of, of the tour in the States, um, <clears throat> Warped Tour was collecting some memorabilia for a, ten, um, for a, t- a time capsule. I think it's a 20-year time capsule. Okay. And so, yeah, so we're actually at, like, the 10-year mark now, which is crazy. Oh, oh yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's... So, A, we're getting old, and B, yeah. hopefully I'll bring my kids old. in 10 years or whatever <laughs> when, when they unveil the time capsule. <laughs> but, so, yeah. Um, so, Joan Jett gave stuff for the, it was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, um, oh, cool. Yeah, and, and Haley had stuff. And so, they asked for my tutu and my, my T-shirt and my CD. It was really cool. But, so, that same day, it was Joan's last day on the tour. I think we had just had a couple of Canada dates left. And... We did Bad Reputation on the stage, and I got to sing lead, and Joan played guitar and sang backup. Oh, my god! And it was dope, and Kevin Lyman was in the crowd, and this is, like, in the very, very early stages of YouTube, you know, but it's not, right. there was no Snapchat, and, like, right. so, you know, I wish that it had been more sort of widely covered than it was, yeah. but it was amazing. We got to rehearse before we went on stage, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel like I'm in the Runaways, yeah. <laughs> you know, because we were just yeah. all there, like, rehearsing with Joan. It was very surreal, so... Um, yeah, that was one of my favorite days ever in like the history of life. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. what could what could beat that? I don't, I don't it was know. Intense. <laughs> and that was also after that was a really hard year because the stage actually, the stage truck it was like a flat. Um, 
It was a box truck and it got yeah. totaled like six weeks through the tour because the guy who was driving was texting while driving. Early days of like sidekick oh smartphones. Yeah. Yeah. And so the tour actually ended up like renting us a really nice stage for the last, uh, like, you know, they, they helped us out, but, um, People, there was like bets on whether or not we'd like make it through the end of the tour because we right. people were constantly like yeah. messing with us, being like, "Oh, here comes the sugar girl stage. Think you're gonna make it?" You know. Yeah. And um, so the cool thing was that when we did finish that year, we finished in Montreal, and our buddies in No Effects um, actually like hooked us up. They got us like hotel rooms to you know congratulate us for making us through, and they yeah. took us to the strip club and bought us all lap dancing. <laughs> And it was fun. But I also got to perform in NoFX that year, um, which was awesome. I got to sing Lori Myers in cool. Warped Tour. So, yeah, it was cool. I mean, we got to, you know, meet so many cool artists in Warped Tour. Um, when, when you're going through challenges on the road like that, like, what do you do to keep going? Yeah. And, like, what, what, what's your mindset like? Totally. I mean, for me, my mindset is always just the show must go on. Yeah. You know, like I grew up in theater and that's sort of the mentality. Yeah. So, um, so you just have to sort of find a way where there's a will, there's a way, you know. So we didn't give up. We just kept showing up and, you know, people met us halfway. So it was cool. Plus, you know, I felt like a duty because I booked these girl bands. Their whole, you know, right. summer was looking forward to playing the Warped Tour and I couldn't let them down. And, you know, Kevin didn't want to let them down either. He was very, you know, helpful with that. So... How many bands did you have on the stage, like, well, the first day? Or, yeah, you know? it was, it's like about, it was about six or seven bands a day, okay. you know, and the first year we had, we had a ton of bands throughout the year, then the second year I think we're like, oh, we're going to have less bands stay on longer because it's just easier to deal with them, yeah. <laughs> they know what's going on, so, but yeah, we had the Dolly Rots, they were great, um, we had the Shocker, which is Jennifer Finch from L7's band, okay. um, you know, uh, Fabulous Disaster from San Francisco, I mean, we had some really great bands. Um, in, in the early years, you know, and then kind of later in years when we brought it back, we had Hunter Valentine and mm -hmm. Candy Hearts and, you know, all kinds of cool performances. So lately, you've been doing a lot of recording. I saw yes. last week you were up in Utah. Um, yes. Yeah, what are you working on right now? Yeah, so it's actually funny because, you know, I, we were talking about how I first got into music and I did meet this producer in London and so he's since relocated to Salt Lake. Okay. So it's kind of things come full circle and um, I happen to be, you know, in Park City and we said, let's get together and record a new song. So I'm just at the point where I'm just trying to write as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I'm also working with some people here in L.A. and um, I just recorded a remix of George Michael's Freedom. So oh, cool. We'll see if that ever sees the light of day. Oh, man. I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I'd and I get some that. shows coming up. So, yeah, I'm excited and I think it's very timely and, you know, that was, man, what a loss. So, oh my, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was I, a big influence of mine for sure. Yeah. When you're on stage, what goes into your live performance? Because you, you like, <laughs> yeah, you dance, you do a lot of different things. Like, how do you come up with your live show? Yes, that's my favorite part. I've always thought like for me, you know, being a dancer and a performer, like the music, I think of it as a soundtrack. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's different every time, but um, sometimes, like, if I record a song, like, at that moment, I'll have an idea for a live concept. Yeah. And then sometimes it's, you know, it's more like later on in the game when you're kind of looking back and wanting to pull it all together. Um, but I just, I like to put on a show, you know, so I do like to use choreography and costumes and props and just fun mm -hmm. things that just make it different, you know. 
Um, so I have a couple dancers and a DJ that I, I've been performing with with my electronic stuff. And, and also I've been kind of switching it up and doing some acoustic shows lately. We did Marley Coffee House at Lot One and Echo Park. And, um, and you know, not wanting to lose touch. I actually did a show in North Carolina this summer with a band. And so I miss having a band. It's fun having yeah. a band, you know. Yeah. So, you know, trying to kind of keep both the rock elements and the electronic elements, you know, alive. That's so good. Um, why do you love music? I love music because it brings people together, you know, and it's a universal language. Um, yeah, I wrote, I, I, I've definitely written a bunch of lyrics about music, you yeah, know? right. And yeah. how, how, like, just, yeah, just that's it. It's the universal language. I mean, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. It moves people and, um, and it's a beautiful thing how it brings people together. I think you touched on this a little bit before, but um, as a woman in music, um, what are what have been some of the challenges you've come up against? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's hard to be taken seriously as a woman in any male-dominated industry, let yeah. alone music, and especially <laughs> yes. punk rock. I mean, I remember when we opened up for Rancid. We came out, we were, we played the Trocadero in Philly, and you know I came out with my pink hair and my skirt, and before we even played a note, they started booing. It was like a bunch of 16-year-old hardcore guys with you know shaved heads. And people oh say gosh. things all the time being backstage, you know, what, yeah. who are you with, what band are you with? It's like, no, I am the band, asshole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so I, think, I think there's a lot of that, people not taking you seriously, but I think you, know, you can prove yourself. So that's kind of what we did. Do you have any, any encouraging words to artists out there? Yeah. Upcoming artists or female or even, yeah, just female artists. I mean, I just think just don't give up. And, and a, big, like, a big part of my philosophy is also don't take no for an answer. You know? Yeah. So, I <laughs> mean, like, if you really want to yeah. play some club, you know, and they say, oh, no, you're not hearing no, you're hearing not right now, you know, and right. you work harder and, you know, mm-hmm build a relationship and you know it's a relationship business you know so you gotta you gotta build relationships and see how you can contribute to the scene you know I, after we did the cheer girl stage I started um a, a monthly event in Brooklyn called girls in the hood okay and that was female fronted bands female DJs female bartenders you know and and we brought it together and we booked other bands and we made a community we got sponsors and so you know I just think yeah you just have to yeah keep going <laughs> don't take no for an answer and, you know, build relationships and get involved in the scene. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I think community is a huge part. Yeah. Huge part. It is. And it's hard sometimes as an artist because there really is no clear path. And it helps so much. For me, I work with Conquer Entertainment and they're a big part of my support system. Like an artist needs a support system. Yeah. You need to feel like people believe in you. Like it's not just a pipe dream, you know. Right. So that's something that I feel like Conquer has really helped me with. Um, and I, I think that's like one of the biggest problems with artists is just like believing in themselves and having, you know, having the faith to like keep going and, right? and kind of chase a dream, whatever form or level it may take, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, what are you, I mean, besides recording, what are you working on next? Is there anything? Yeah, well, I'm going down to Miami to play the Conquer Miami uh, Market America after party. Okay. Um, they do a huge conference in American Airlines Arena. And then we are throwing this dope party at this new spot called 1306 Miami, which is, okay. is going to be dope. I'm really excited. So that's kind of the next big uh, event out there. And we'll, we'll definitely be putting content out from there, you know, videos and photos and stuff. So, yeah. And then after that, just keep recording and 
you know, there'll definitely be some new music in store. Um, so I have another side project that I'm working on. I actually um, have a history of doing performance art, which I started in college. So I'm actually writing a one-woman show oh, that oh, um, oh, I'm looking so at yeah, possibly um, premiering in the Hollywood Fringe Festival in June. Okay. So, and that's going to, you know, it's going to be a little bit of everything. It's going to be a lot of storytelling mm -hmm. um, and monologues, but, you know, there could be some theatrics, there could be some music, you know, so nice. I'm kind of keeping it under wraps for now, but I'm really excited about that project. That's so great. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add about your journey? Um, it's been amazing meeting you and like meeting people like you. I, you know? I love, yeah, I, it's just been yeah. It's yeah. Been, yeah, it's been so. You good. saved me that first day on Warped Tour. And what was it, 2014? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and um, <laughs> you know, it's just it, it's it is always cool to meet another strong female in the music industry. So. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Thanks for doing what you do. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for being here today. Yeah. This has been the I Love Music Podcast with me, Jen Fedor. Thanks again to Shira Girl for being on the show. Check out shiragirl.com for the latest on what she's up to. If you like what you're hearing, please share via social media and tell a friend. Sponsorship is available. Hit me up at ilovemusicpodcast at gmail.com. Now, take a listen to one of Shira's songs. That's how we roll. Oh, 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 oh.